Aloha, everybody. Um, this is Jennifer O, and I have my co-host, Chair Bob. Aloha, everyone. We're pretty excited today. We've got Tom Campbell back. Yes, we're very excited about having Tom in um, on the show today. Hi, Tom. How are you? Hello, Jennifer. I'm just fine, thank you. Pleased to be here. Oh, we're very pleased to have you. We're really excited because you are coming to visit us, um, everybody in Oahu, on it's June 12th. Is that correct? That is correct, June the 12th. Okay, and um, I do have your website up where people can go um, to look at uh, tickets and events that you have coming up. You're going to do be doing a workshop. Um, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about what the workshop's going to entail? Yeah, well, this is going to be kind of a, a mini workshop. Uh, often the workshops are two full days, which is kind of a tough thing to for anybody to do, a hard thing to do to listen to me lecture for uh, you know like six or seven hours a day, two days in a row. But any case, this is going to be a little easier and a little more fun than that. Uh, I'm going to spend about a Oh, maybe two to three hours uh, explaining a little bit about the nature of reality and how things work. And then once we have that understanding, um, we're going to take questions, and I'm going to do a little bit of uh, um, describing to people how they can use their consciousness to heal and to remote view and do a few things like that. And mostly that's going to be to kind of show you ways to go about it and uh, you're already doing it, it'll be ways to do it more efficiently and more effectively. Yeah. We're going to let go of all the ritual and just get down to the basics and, and have a good time with it. Well, and one of, one of the things that I really enjoy about your lectures is you sort of, and we talked about this before, but you sort of bridge the gap between where people need a logical scientific basis for something and then with the spiritual side. So to me, I really noticed that you bridged the gap so that if somebody needs to have a logical basis but they're reaching for the spiritual, you give them a little bit of both. Or if they're yes. spiritual but would like to back it up, they have, yeah, you, you're a very good um, person to come and see for that sort of thing. One well, that was kind of the point. That was kind of the point of it all, you know. Um, when you write... When anybody writes things, and metaphysics has been written about for you know, thousands of years, probably since, since writing existed, and if you read uh, Lao Tzu, you know, Lao Tzu had a, had a very deep understanding of the larger reality system and how reality worked, but of course it was written in poetry and words and phrases that meant something to the people of Lao Tzu's time. So it's a little hard for Westerners to pick that up and get a big aha moment out of it. They, they kind of read that, and most Westerners are kind of lost with it. They don't really know how to interpret it or what it means. So my effort was to try to make uh, metaphysics and science become one thing. So it's, it's about the nature of reality, and it explains metaphysics and, and theology and that kind of thing, but it does it in terms of science. So that's kind of the uniqueness of my approach to it. I'm a physicist, so um, having, a, having a logical model with which to understand uh, the nature of reality uh, was kind of a natural for me. And, and Tom, this is uh, Jennifer's co-host, Bob. Um, so w when, you put it, when you put it that way, to me, um, 
because I've always been curious about, you know, being able to prove things or that kind of thing. So you're modeled in, in a lot of ways when you talk about Lao Tzu, it, it then really kind of your model puts it more into a, a kind of a Western frame of thinking that makes it a little bit more understandable for our Western uh, thought processes. Is that not correct? That's correct. That was that was the point. It's uh, you know we have we've had Eastern Eastern mysticism and Eastern um, metaphysics been around for a long time, and uh, obviously has some very fundamental truths as as does uh, Western mysticism uh, like Gnostics and. Others. It's not that the East has the market cornered on that, but that sort of thing has been getting further and further out of touch with Western culture. Western culture, um, you know, here's one way to put it, uh, science is the religion of the West. You know, we can put it that way. That means that uh, if science says it, people believe it. You know, it used to be if the head priest said it, you know, people believed it. Now it's if science says it, people believe it. So if you cannot speak in terms of science, then for Western culture, you're not speaking in terms of truth. You're not speaking in terms of things that matter. You know, it's just uh, opinion and, you know, something that is, isn't taken very seriously. So it was my goal as a, as a scientist and also as someone who had experienced a lot of the larger reality system to try to marry those two, to explain what I experienced in terms of science. And the neat thing is that not only was I successful at explaining the metaphysics, but also the same theory produces good science, good physics. It solves some physics problems that physicists haven't been able to solve yet. So, it um, you know if if you if you have the right concepts and it really is a, a larger uh, your model of the larger reality is accurate, then it should you know produce better physics as well as better metaphysics. If it just produced one or the other, then it would be incomplete. The idea is to have a theory of everything that really is everything. So it's metaphysics, physics, mind, matter, normal, paranormal. All that stuff needs to be explained logically, scientifically, under just one um, one model, one understanding of, of how things work. Well, and I don't think a lot of people realize uh, when we talk about some of the things in, in uh, spirituality or metaphysics and that type of thing, a lot of that is scientifically proven or based, but they don't realize it. You know, people know about the law of gravity and they know about all those laws. They can't see it. They know it happens because we're obviously not floating around. Um, but, like, for instance, law of attraction. Uh, what is the physics? you know, the physicist, uh, the basic, the scientific uh, stuff behind that. Can you kind of uh, sure. explain how that would fit in? Uh-huh. The, uh, you have to understand, you know, we're kind of starting in the middle here, so it, this won't really be a derivation. It's hard to do science when you start in the middle, but basically the answer to your question is that when you when you understand how consciousness works, you realize that we are, consciousness you know we're not physical beings with a consciousness we are consciousness that is um how we say interpreting some people say hallucinating but then that's got kind of other connotations to it we're consciousness that's interpreting and interpreting this reality frame from the data that we receive within consciousness now that's kind of a big step for your listeners maybe to take all in one gulp but the way that works is as consciousness, your intent 
can modify consciousness. And what consciousness does, it's a digital information system, is it communicates. It passes data back and forth. And you can modify that data. You can modify the probability of the data that defines our reality frame with your intent. Okay? So that's one of the ways, you know, that's how healing works. You, you modify the probabilities of the future with your intent. That's how remote uh, viewing gets into the future. You can look at future probabilities. Now, the law of attraction basically says that if you put an intent out there to have something happen, you know, you will, you will eventually, uh, you will encourage that or you will raise the probability of that thing happening. Well, that's just your intent, modifying the probability of you know, future events. And all of this kind of is based on, a, on kind of a digital theory of consciousness and uh, the fact that uh, the consciousness system generates this reality frame as a learning lab, and it does that by sending data to consciousness that interprets it as the physical reality, just as we get data from our senses and we interpret it as this physical reality. It's all sort of the same thing. So it's just a fundamental nature of consciousness and the system that we're in that an intent, and it, it depends that this intent is well-focused and steady. If you're just making a wish or your intent is jumping around and it's casual, then you're not putting much energy into it and it's not likely to cause a whole lot to happen. But if you have a steady, focused intent, and that's why we learn to meditate, because that enables us to produce a kind of a low-noise, focused intent. And if you keep that, that intent focused over time, the system will tend to produce what you want. And it does that by you are actually modifying the probability of what it is you want happening. So that's, that's the physics, if you will, or the science behind you know, the law of intent. It's, a, you know, it's real. It works that way. Um, you know, most of us kind of know that intuitively, but when I talk about the law of intent, there's one other thing I like to always mention, and that is the law of intent has kind of degenerated to the point of, you know, satisfying ego needs, satisfying greed. You know, if what you want is a better-looking, uh, you know, girlfriend or boyfriend and more money and a better car and something that will impress all your friends and that sort of thing, well, that's just in service of the ego. Now there's a problem because the larger consciousness system is, you know, what it's doing is evolving. And the way it evolves is by getting rid of fear and ego. That's part of its process of evolution. So if you are using the consciousness system to basically work against itself, that is serve, you know, ego and fear, then watch out uh, what you wish for because you're liable to get a pretty strong lesson along with it. So I do not uh, suggest that people, uh, you know, try to try to get money and, and uh, aggrandize their ego using this, because they will probably end up getting hit with a big stick. At this, you know, even if they get what they want, it may not be the way they want it. So anyway, it does work, and it is science, and uh, it's perfectly uh, uh, logically explainable. Now, what I just said wasn't all that logical, because I've jumped right in the middle of a whole lot of things that you have to understand before what I said makes sense. But uh, it's it's in the books and it's in my lectures. And um, that's, uh, it, unfortunately, with a one-hour video program, you, you kind of have to leap into, into things without uh, the proper uh, derivations. 
the things I was just trying to get across to everybody is sort to sort of um, let them understand and have you help explain that you know that sort of thing actually has some science behind it. It's just stuff that you don't learn from your parents. It's stuff that you don't learn you know in high school science. It, there's a there's a theory behind it. There's a scientific um, point behind it, but it's not something that we all learn. And, and what you said is true. Um, when people can't see it also, they tend to question it. It's like it has to be scientifically based. You know, just like you said, if the scientists say it's true, then everybody believes it. And that's really where we're going to in this culture. And one of the things, one of the problems that I also, me and you were talking about previous to this was um, they're, they're really needing scientific basis more than ever right now. But they're also everyone's attention span um, with technology and with, um, you know, iPods and, and emails and uh, Blackberries, their attention span is just incredibly getting short. And um, you, in your lectures, uh, do the boards where you, you've actually structured your workshops, which I thought was really amazingly smart, for people like this because you've noticed that as you teach, we have to almost teach in a different way anymore. And uh, for them to get that information. And I think they've trained themselves to think a certain way. And we were talking about that. And, and how does that really affect people when you've trained yourself to think and multitask so well? How does that make it harder for them to slow down and meditate? Because I don't even think they realize they've trained their brain to multitask. Yes, it's not just multitasking, uh, which means doing you know two things, two operations at the same time, but also we tend to to think more shallowly. We tend to uh, you know everything is is quick and fast. You know, from the fast food to the you know to the the entertainment we watch on on television. People are sitting there surfing through the channel, seeing you know thirty seconds of ten different programs and. That sort of thing. Uh, I, I sometimes refer to it as the Sesame Street generation. Sesame Street was a was a wonderful idea for disadvantaged children who had very, uh, um, should we say, uh, not enriched environments, and they realized in order to keep the attention of these, and they were they were really preschool. These were like uh, four four year olds, three year olds, and in order to uh, keep their attention, they had to keep changing what was going on all the time. They could never talk about the same thing more than about 30 seconds. They had to change, flash, you know, new pictures, new colors, new things happening. And our whole culture has gotten that way. In order to hold our attention, in order for the advertisers to grab our attention, you have to be louder and quicker and things have to flash. And, and uh, you know, we, we've gotten very shallow in our ability to deal with data. And partly that's because we have so much data. We have data overload we get so much information thrown at us that we cannot dig very deeply in it we just kind of sift and parse and and stay at a very shallow level and and pick up bits of it and let most of it go by so our culture our technology has been driving us to a a shallower and shorter attention span and the way you know to to deal with that of course is to you have to work you have to practice at uh, getting your mind to think deep thoughts, to uh, you know consider uh, consider things other than uh, just what's uh, kind of in the front of your mind, just the next couple of seconds. 
that's difficult for people to do these days, something that uh, 200 years ago was much easier. People could sit and contemplate. And now sitting and contemplating uh, is a very hard thing. Just sitting still for a half an hour would be a very difficult thing for most people to accomplish, much less having their mind still for that long. But it's important if we're, we're consciousness and if we are going to... Uh, um, you know, learn to use all the tools and things that uh, that consciousness can do, then that's the first step. Quiet the mind, well, lengthen the attention span. Yeah, then that would come with meditation um, or just being aware, I think, because I notice that, uh, and you're noticing the same on the, the stuff that you teach, but I'm noticing as well, you know, when they're driving in their car, they're thinking of their emails and, and uh you know, laundry and, and calling the kids calling on the cell phone. And what I'm trying to teach people to do and, and what I think that we're both sort of trying to accomplish is that gets them so far away from their consciousness and their spiritual side and their spiritual being. And in order to have good health, which I'd like to talk about next, um, is they have to have a balance. You can't just think purely with the scientific facts and the, in the scientific world uh, justifying everything all of the time. I believe, which I'll get your idea on that, I believe that you have to have a perfect, you know, a balance. You have to be very balanced in the physical existence that we have and then very balanced in the, in the spiritual existence um, almost equally and sort of blend those together. And if you can do that, you will notice that you can use your consciousness and our abilities to this to the best of our potential, but also that it'll affect your health in a better way. Um, what are your thoughts on the balance of the physical and the, yeah. the spiritual? Well, well, balance is very, very important. Of course, I don't see it as a balance between the scientific and the non-scientific because I see it all as scientific. But right. I agree with you 100%, and that is balance is is critical. You know, we talk about uh, being left brain and right brain, you know, and our culture is very left brain, which means it's very uh, rational, logical, and linear. Well, consciousness is not linear. Consciousness comes in whole chunks. When you communicate consciousness to consciousness, it's like telepathy. You get whole paragraphs at a time. You don't get letters and words and that sort of thing. So it's it's very important. To stay balanced. If you are all left-brained, if you're all uh, um, about the stuff and rationality and linear and what's going on and you know, humma humma, all of, all the things happening, then you lose a very large dimension of yourself. Just kind of disappears. You no longer have access to it. And on the other hand, if you spend all your time, you know, meditating and go sit in a cave and you know, spend 24/7 uh, thinking deep thoughts. There's a very important part of your life, which is the interacting part with people, that you lose, and it goes away. I would say neither of those are balanced. It's not that we should endeavor to become monks, or should we endeavor to uh, you know, get totally uh, engrossed in the, in the physical. We need balance between the two. We need that interaction with people and events and things, because that challenges us. That's where our lessons come from. That's how we learn. But we also need that still quiet space and we need to kind of commune with our with our consciousness understand what consciousness is and uh, what you can do with it and for that uh, you need just the opposite you need still you need uh, um, kind of 
depth rather than breadth. You need uh, uh, content, you know, rather than uh, uh, speed. So that's those two things need to balance. Otherwise, you limit your growth potential if you go off either end too deeply. Right, right. And I totally agree with you, me being in the metaphysical um, end as well, and you being from the scientific end, I also know people that are way too much in the spiritual side, and they disregard living in the the physical, the interaction with people. Um, You know, they think they need to meditate and do these things all the time, and I agree with you 100% where that's not healthy either. That doesn't help you live your life to its fullest potential. You absolutely have to have a balance of both sides. But it's really, to me, I think it's really recognizing you know, when you're lacking in one area to try and improve on that because as we're all human, you know, every now and again we're going to get sucked into the technical stuff or the, you know, the social aspects of our life. And if you're in the metaphysical, you may get more sucked into the being, you know, meditating because you're feeling like you're having too much of a stressful week. It's just noticing, I believe, and and trying to just continuously um, do the best we can for our existence and our health. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. Have- the goal is to be whole-brained, not right-brained or left-brained, but to use all of your talents and all of what you are to maximize your experience and your learning and your growth here. That's the that's the whole idea. You know, when sometimes people get the idea that if they're going to take a spiritual path, that means they have to, you know, give up everything, go, you know, sit in a hole someplace and uh, and just meditate. That's not it at all. We're here for a purpose. We're in this reality, experiencing it for a purpose, and that purpose is is to learn, to you know, to uh, increase the quality of our consciousness, lower its entropy, grow up, spiritual growth, however you want to say it. That's what we're here for, and uh, it's hard to do that in a vacuum. We need this reality frame and other people and challenges that it brings to us. So, yes, you have to stay engaged, and I think that was one of the points you were getting to. When you're just driving around and your mind is, is flitting from this thing to this thing, like you say, you're driving a car and you're thinking about all the other things, and you know, you're not engaged, really. It's just like your clutch is in and you're just drifting. You're drifting from minutia to minutia. You need to really exist in the moment and be present with it so that whatever it is you're doing, you're doing it wholly. And that way... Uh, the, the, the speed tends to slow down when you do that, and it's amazing. You start seeing significance of things that you never even noticed before. Exactly, exactly. We have a few callers on the line that um, and we should probably take, and then we can talk more about the engaged part and the healing because I notice that people do not engage in relationships anymore with their children or with their spouses or like we are talking about driving in their cars and just different things, and we're really trying to, um, you made a good point also, bringing them into the present. And let's just see if we can have a few, if we have a few questions. We have an area code 702. Hello? Hello? Hello, hi. Do you have a question for Tom? Yes. He's going really awesome, right? All right. What is your question, please? Okay, my question is regarding relationships, and um, I want to know, I recently reconnected with um, someone from uh, uh, my past who were really good friends who turned out to be uh, in a serious relationship, and we started speaking for 
You know, I'm sorry, we can't hear you very good, and I'm not sure. Tom doesn't do, he's a um, physicist and scientist. He's not, doesn't do relationship stuff, but you can definitely call that. <laughs> oh, I can, do some, I can do some relationship stuff if we get a clear question, but I was having a hard time understanding it. The volume was, was very, 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 very low. She, she got disconnected. It looks like, I mean, it looks like she hung up. So we scared her. We scared her to death. And um, <laughs> I couldn't hear her very well, so I, I didn't um, get the question at all. I have a question for you, Tom, if, if I may. Um, well, sure, you know, Bob. You're talking about altered states of consciousness and the work that you've done. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know, then, is that more of a whole brain uh, state that you, that you uh, um work at obtaining in order to do some of some of the altered states of consciousness uh, work that you do? Um, I hope that's a clear enough question. Um, or is it yeah, I say yes. I say yes, it is, Bob. And, and uh, it, because you see when you, the, the, first, the first point you get to, I guess, I guess the first thing that you need to learn is to get to that, that state of pure point consciousness. Point consciousness is where you are simply aware that you exist and nothing else. It's it's you as a point of consciousness floating in the in the void. That's uh, in some traditions that's the end point. That's the point where you're trying to get to, and if you get there, you're done. But that's really the beginning point. When you get to that point where you are point consciousness floating in the void. In other words, all of this reality is gone. You're no longer you're no longer paying any attention or processing any of the data that's coming through your senses. You're just point consciousness. Now, that's very right-brained. That's whole. You feel one with all that is. It's a very lovely place. It gives you lots of, uh, lots of energy, and it's a very sweet place just to exist. But that's just the beginning. Then you take the left side, and you start to operate with it. Okay, here you are. You're aware, and you're consciousness. What can you do? You know, how can I uh, verify what I'm experiencing, you know, what experiments can I do, uh, where do I want to go, you know, who do I want to heal, you've got all kinds of things now that you can, that you can uh, do quite purposefully, and that's, that's the left side, you know, the left side is basically the, the conductor, if you will, or the person that is, uh, um, oh, I don't know, it, it's not, you know, the left side can't judge and it can't analyze, that will ruin that will ruin the state immediately. It's not judging or analyzing, but it is directing. So the left brain can direct while the right brain experiences. And that's that whole brain thing. And yes, if you're going to experience and experiment in the larger reality, you need to be balanced and have both of your hemispheres interactive and fully operative. Otherwise, if it's all right brain, you just float there and enjoy it, a wonderful experience, but doesn't uh, get you nearly as far as you can go. And if you're all left brain, you'll never get to the point where you can float and enjoy it. You'll just always be busy, 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 occupied with the stuff. So, yes, you're right. It takes a, it takes a, a balanced approach to succeed. So when you uh, would work with people or when you were doing the remote viewing stuff, um, you would start by going into the consciousness part that you were talking about and then shift into the left brain side. Yes, matter of fact, going, doing, getting into this, uh, into the, into your consciousness or into a meditation state, is perfectly normal. It's a very natural thing for people to do. 
And all you have to do is stop blocking it. Often, just just having your mind uh, consumed with something that's non-judgmental and non-analytical, you'll just automatically just drift off into uh, into a uh, altered state of consciousness. Now we do that when we daydream. Of course, we do that when we night dream, but we're conscious when we do it and when we daydream. Uh, we do that when we read a book. You know, if you read a very, very interesting uh, book that has your attention, you hardly know, you know, about your surroundings. You kind of drift right out of this reality. It's just you and what's going on in that book and the things going on in the reality around you all just kind of disappear. It's easy for us to do that. And it's, we don't need a lot of ritual. It really doesn't take a lot of meditating. It just takes a little bit of practice of letting go of the ego and the fear and the constant judging and, and analyzing. If we can let that go, we're in a meditation state. It just puts you there. So it's not about learning something new. It's about stop doing something old. It's a natural thing. We are consciousness. We just need to, to quiet down the noise and, uh, and work from there. Yeah, I like what you said about it's not doing something new, it's stop doing something old, because I, I spend a lot of time teaching people and uh, on the law of attraction and different things like that, but, but, and, um, you know, just uh, communicating, you know, with their inner self or going into a meditative state or whatever it may be that they want to do, but what they don't realize is what you just you just said perfectly is we already naturally know how to be in the meditative state or naturally know how to have an intent in our body and use the law of attraction. It's just being aware of it and getting rid of the all the other stuff that comes into your mind at that time and being swayed by your ego and swayed by the judgment and swayed by all these things in your logical mindset that, no, I'm not connecting in. No, I'm not you know, going to be able to do an astro travel or, oh, my gosh, that scares me. What if, what if I can do an astro travel and what if I don't ever get back to my body? You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it's something that people do all the time. They astro travel when they're sleeping. They don't even realize their body naturally does this. So, you, yes, we are not, we're just getting rid of um, some other habits or, or um, things that we've come to believe but our body naturally, we all do this naturally. We even all naturally have a intuitive and psychic ability, but people don't, they don't even understand that. And that really makes me laugh because I don't think I've ever met one person who's never had a gut feeling about something. And yeah. that means you're naturally intuitive. Um, well, we are consciousness. We have, we have, you know, that's our nature. We're consciousness, and uh, as consciousness, all those things are available to us. All we have to do is learn how to open ourselves to to take part in it. It's you know sometimes people get the idea that oh it's going to take me you know ten years to sit down and learn this, and I have to meditate all the time, and it's just too too much trouble or too hard to do or that sort of thing. But really, that gets us back to the point that you started with, and that's that uh, that incessant chatter, that shallow, uh, busy existence that we all live. That's the noise in the system. And when we talked about the law of intent, I said you needed a focused intent. Well, that's what keeps us from focusing our intent, is all that noise and chatter and shallow busyness. Once we let that go, then we can focus our intent. So that's kind of how all this ties together. 
Well, and we have another caller, so we're going to try this one. Uh, we have a six, or I'm sorry, 206 area code. Do you have a question for Tom? I do. Are, are you doing readings? Um, well, what's your question? <laughs> we're we're well, doing a, a something sort of not, uh, it depends on what your question will be. We'll see if we can oh, help okay. you today or Saturday. Well, I was just looking into insights in the, into my current relationship. Okay. Um, did you have a specific question? You know, this may be a reading question we may want. Do you want to try to help with this, with this Tom, or should we, should we have him call back on Saturday? Um... It sounds like well, it's up to you. It, it's up to you that you're, it's your show. We can just do whatever you want with it. You know, uh, why don't we get – this is more of a, um, a, a informational-type program with uh, Tom Campbell. So why don't you get back on next Saturday, and we'll go ahead and do the reading question for you, okay? Okay, sounds good. Thank you. One of the things, Tom, that um, I was also wanting to talk to you about was uh, the healing stuff that you were talking about. People tend to um, not realize the healing aspect of their body. And, and you had said in a lecture that with some people that you, they've asked you to do healings with, um, with some people you uh, decide that for whatever reason that you monitor and figure, yes, this will work with this person, and with other people you think, no, this you're not at the state to, to heal. Um, mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit more about that and, and how where people are at in their consciousness um, can help okay. them heal or help them not heal? Well, sure. Uh, just like we talked about with the law of attraction, you know, we, we create our own reality in, in many ways. It's our intent. Uh, modifies uh, what happens to us. Uh, we're here to learn lessons, so we have challenges. Um, when you create your own reality, then you create your own ill health too. And sometimes disease teaches very valuable lessons, and we need those those lessons. So it's not a good idea just to uh, uh, you know kind of jump in between somebody and their disease or their their issue. You have to look at these issues and decide whether you know, this is something you should do or should not do. Now, for beginners, there's generally not much of a problem because you're generally not that, uh, oh, you don't bring that much power to the situation. You're not going to hurt anything in any case because if you try to heal someone who really, in the big picture, shouldn't be healed, then what will happen is that you'll try and it just won't work, and you'll try and it just won't work. So that's kind of the clue that... Uh, this is a this is a case where the person needs this experience, and it's not just that person, but all the people around that person. Everybody associated with that person uh, has lessons to learn because of it. So that's one way that you can that you can tell whether it's appropriate. So the, the point is here is that learning to use consciousness isn't like learning to be God, where suddenly now you can decide who who gets healed and who doesn't, and you should. You should rearrange reality to suit you. That's not what it's all about. You know, and people ask me that all the time. Well, you know, are you ever sick or do you, uh, you know, I guess, you know, you'd always look in the future. You'd never get caught by surprise. And it's like, no, you don't do that sort of thing. That would be uh, kind of ruining your own experience. Suddenly, instead of having experience here, you would be orchestrating everything that happened to you. That then puts you in, you know, the position of getting in your own way. That's a problem. 
So you, it's not that these, these, uh, this ability with consciousness is something that you should use to make your life come out the way you'd like it to come out. That's, a, that's kind of a, a, an ego issue. It's that you can help people sometimes when they need help and when help is appropriate. So just healing is sometimes a good thing to do, and healing sometimes is, is not a good thing to do. Sometimes you just let people have their issues that they need to deal with. Uh, everyone is, is probably more, oh, can we say, if, if you have an issue and, and illness is part of that issue where you learn, then it's very difficult for somebody to take that away from you because you just keep putting energy right back in it. So we're here to learn lessons. We're not here to have other people work our lessons for us. If you get other people to do your homework for you, then you don't learn anything. So it's a a situation where you have to be careful what you do. Yeah, one of the things that I um, agree with also is – I think some of us have life lessons of going through certain diseases or cancers or whatever. It may be, like you said, you learn from them and you gather the knowledge that you need to gather from that to evolve and to learn while we're here as spiritual beings. But then there's other times, too, that, um, you know, we, I think that the physical body and certain illnesses where it may, may be heart palpitations or anxiety or the flu or whatever it may be, it's also a representation of what's going on in the spiritual aspect of you and how you're dealing with um, relationships and how you're dealing with your purpose mm-hmm. in life and, and are you following your true passion and your true heart exactly. and, and in what you're doing and when you're not, when you're not following your passion and your, and your true heart and, your, and, and understanding your real existence of why you're here, you start to have health issues, um, whether it be That's any right. of those things. Yes. Sure. See, this is this is a schoolhouse we're in, and we're learning here, and that's the feedback. If you do it right, right you know, then then the feedback is is happy and joyous. If you're not right. doing it right, if you're not learning, you're not growing up, you're not, uh, you know, becoming love, you're not growing spiritually. Then the feedback is basically, you know, a couple of slaps to wake you up and and get you focused. And if you continue, then the, the the problems just keep getting worse. And whether that's an illness or whether it's a problem in relationship or something else, basically you can't look to, at other people and say, the reason I'm in this fix is because of you. The reason you're in that fix is always because of yourself, not someone else. So when you're having problems, don't, don't look for uh, someone to blame it on. Look in the mirror if you want somebody to blame it on. You need to... You need to fix yourself. So that's those those issues, those problems, that fear, that ego. That's all the feedback telling you that you're not really doing it as well as you need to be doing it. And it's kind of a a wake up, a little uh, you know, spray of cold water in the face, if you will. So if if your life is very problematical, then it's probably because you know you're not dealing with it as well as you should be dealing with it. Right, and that one of the other things that you kind of were sort of almost touching on too is uh, um, that kind of brings us to a happiness issue, which I um, am doing a lot of lectures on nowadays. Um, people have uh, they're looking outside of themselves for happiness, and everybody's heard the thing where you got to be happy with yourself before you find a relationship, and all they hear when you tell them that is blah 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 blah. But what they're not understanding is people have shifted what they think true happiness is. 
and they're going for instant gratification. And when they're going for instant gratification, like you said, the the beautiful girlfriend or, or good-looking boyfriend or the car, um, and like you said, when you're going, when you're putting your intent out there for that, that's an instant gratification. That means it's going to be there for a short time and gone. That when you're when you were talking about putting your intent out there to bring in you know wonderful things into your life, they're not even understanding that true happiness or what the true and what would really make their heart center feel good, which would also match their purpose and their passion for being here is usually more along the lines of, you know, doing something that they were meant to do, whether it be music or, um, and maybe, maybe bringing the intensive of having a, a wonderful music career or maybe being a healer and being a nurse or a doctor or, you know, helping people um, you know, they sort of, um, even in relationships, if they're unhappy, they start lashing out at, you know, their work or their kids or their spouse, and they don't look internal. So everybody's perspective is skewed, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. The solution is not out there. The solution is inside. Um, you cannot change another person. You know, if you say, well, I'd be, I'd be happy if, you know, I could only get you to behave the way I want you to, that. Uh, you know that's a very wrong approach you have to let people be you cannot change another person and you have to accept people are the way they are with with grace you know it has to be a gracious acceptance not a begrudging you know gritting your teeth acceptance and when you accept and have no preconceived notions and expectations about the way things ought to be then everything turns out to be really, really nice. Everything turns out to be joyous. And suddenly you're living in a place of beauty, of peace, and joy, and life is good because that's the way you define it. You accept it, however, you accept your challenges, and you take full responsibility for your reactions to whatever happens. Nobody can make you angry. Only you can choose to be angry. So we stop blaming and we stop leading with our egos, and suddenly we find that life is sweet. Right. Well, and people stop following their passions also. I think that they don't realize how much of their happiness or how much it makes them whole is doing the things that they love to do. And they have, um, you know, I believe, I don't know um, on your beliefs on this, but that we were all given certain gifts and abilities. And, and lucky, lucky for us, those gifts and abilities are things that we're usually very passionate about. And I'm noticing that people are not following those gifts and abilities. They're fighting against them and going left brain and going money and going all of these different areas. And then they're getting health issues and whatever and relationship issues because they're fighting against going, you know, for why we're here, what their existence is. They're going the opposite direction. Um, do you notice that that t- to be true as well? Oh, sure, sure. It, the problem isn't what you do. It's, it's the intent with which you approach whatever it is you do. Um, you shouldn't be struggling. If your life is a struggle, you need to step back and change the way you approach it. It shouldn't be a struggle. You should be able to, you know, what do they say, go with the flow. You should be able to become a part of what's going on not struggle with it as an outsider. So it, it is a, a matter of being yourself. When you, you say, uh, 
uh, follow your passion. Basically what that means is stop doing all those things that that really feel bad, that make you feel bad. You know, do the things that make you feel good. Do the things that are productive for you. Do the, do things that are about other. If you make your life about other rather than about self, that will fix about 90% of all the issues that you have in relationship and just about everything else. That's, that's kind of... Uh, that's kind of a key idea there. Make your life about other, not about what you want and what you need and getting what you have to have to be happy. Happiness comes from helping and being a part of other, not from grabbing as much as you can get for self. Right. Well, and again, I want to let everybody know um, that Tom Campbell will be on Oahu on June 12th, and um, you can go to my website or just click on the blog talk thing. Um, it's it's Diamond Head Unity. At Diamond Head Unity. Is that correct, Tom? Diamond Head Unity yes. search? Yes, that's, that's uh, correct, I believe. And it's mbtevents. Uh, dot com. Also, my yeah, www.mbtevents.com, and you can find out all the information about where and when and how to sign up and who to call and that sort of thing. Right. Okay. And so everybody, check that out. It's going to be wonderful to have you there. Thank you so much for joining us today. I very much enjoyed um, having you on the show, and and we look forward to coming to your event on June 12th. Very much so. And so um, I'm really excited about that, and and, um, I may have even my uh, 16-year-old son there with me. He's completely and totally into all this sort of thing, so that'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be fun. And, you know, some of my lectures and and workshops that – Go on hour after hour after hour, and I've had some like 15-year-olds and uh, you know of that or 13-year-old sit there and take it all in. So it's a, I'm just thrilled when uh, when young people at that age um, can can think big thoughts and are interested in understanding how things work. I think that's that's marvelous. Oh, it's excellent, and you, uh, my son is so into this, he's, he's into philosophy, if you can believe it or not, um, which mm-hmm. totally cracks me up. He said, Mom, I should write a book, but I decided I'd just go on forever, and it would never end, because then <laughs> like, Yeah, that's true. Oh, that sounds good, but yeah, if anybody has any young children, also, that was a good point, bring them, you know, teenagers, they may very much enjoy this stuff, and and I truly believe that if you can get them sort of thinking along these lines and learning about some of the things that you teach in, in um, your workshops, it will make some really great impressions. I mean, teenagers are incredibly smart, smarter than a lot of people give them credit for. And they still have a very good balance usually with their um, you know, their spiritual side as well as their physical side. So they really, I believe, would benefit immensely uh, from your workshop. So uh, hopefully if anybody's out there and has some teenagers that are open to it, they'll definitely bring them to your to your June twelfth thing on Oahu. So Yes, I, I think you. that's a good I, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, because uh, you do have them you say come and so I think that that's a great idea. So all ages, bring all ages, unless they're like I don't know, like under ten or something, they might get kind of bored. But yeah, yeah. Anyhow. 
All right, Tom, thank you very much. And um, again, mbtevents.com. And this is Tom Campbell. And um, I'm Jennifer O with my co host Bob. And my site is uh, jenniferopsychic.com. And June 12th, Tom will be on Oahu. Diamond Head Unity Church. Okay, you have a good day, Tom. Thank you for being on the show. Okay, well, thank you very much, Jennifer and uh, Bob. Uh, it was my pleasure uh, to be here, and we'll yes. all get together again on the 12th. Yes, uh, I'm we look forward about that, to Tom. it. Okay. Thank you very much. Aloha. Aloha. Uh, aloha. Well, you didn't have any trouble. Yeah, Every time I tried to ask a question.